0: You're listening to the Elephant in the Room Property Podcast, where the big things that never get talked about actually get talked about. I'm Veronica Morgan, real estate agent, buyer's agent, and co host of Fox Hills Location, Location, Location Australia.
1: And I'm Chris Bates, financial planner, mortgage broker, and wealth coach.
0: And together, we're going to uncover who's really making the decisions when you buy a property.
1: Veronica will introduce our guest in a moment, and I can tell you that you'll want to listen on to find out what he has to say about the future of Airbnb and all its positives and its negatives. So all of that is something that is really, really important. It's often
2: forgotten. You think about the furnishing, yeah, I go to Ikea, and then the cleaning, yeah, I've got uh, I've got mum or I've got someone that can do that, my house cleaner, and, and fine, that's not it. That's when you are average, and that's when you don't book out, and that's when you end up in Erskineville, which is a great suburb with rental returns, that are disappointing.
1: Please stick around for this week's Elephant Rider Camp, And we have a cracking Dumbo of the Week coming up. Before we get started, everything we talk about on this podcast is general in nature and should never be considered to be personal financial advice. If you're looking to get advice, please seek the help of a licensed financial advisor or buyer's agent. They will tailor and document their advice to your personal circumstances. Now let's get cracking.
0: In this episode, we're picking the brains of Kieran Schweighofer. Now I'm very proud of myself for having got that name out first time right Kieran was born in Munich, Germany and has over 15 years experience in entrepreneurship, sales and business development in Europe and Australia, New Zealand. He's recently co-founded a business called Made Comfy, which is really a new service provider that has been created effectively off the back of the share economy. And in this case, in particular, we're talking about short term rentals, aren't we? Correct. Excellent. Good. So far, so good. Being too busy to properly manage his own Airbnb apartment whilst frequently traveling for work and often disappointed with the quality of accommodation that he booked himself, he co-founded this Sydney-based startup, Made Comfy, which is a fast-growing disruptor in the real estate and sharing economy market. Now, we're going to be asking Kieran in this episode a whole bunch of questions about this because... So many investors think this is a really quick way to riches, you know, that they're going to be able to maximize and benefit from disruption, from a sharing economy and the way of the future. But it's not necessarily that straightforward, is it?
2: I guess it's like with any type of investment or service you're seeking, it's all about doing your research and understanding what you what you can do and what, you, what your goals are. Um, I guess when you invest in property, you have a few goals in mind and I guess the sort of yield is one of those things that you look at when you buy a property. Yeah. But that's important to keep in mind.
0: So obviously, a lot of people probably just think, oh, well, I'm going to list my property on Airbnb or Stays or whatever platform they're using and that's all they need to do. But it's become a lot more complicated than that, hasn't it?
2: Uh, Yes, and I think it's uh, similar to to the long-term rental market. You can list your property on domain.com.au, and uh, you can do all of these things, but there's a reason why you would use an agent for that. Now, the short-term rental part of it is even more complex and and intense than uh, a long-term rental, and um, this is sort of where we uh, came in and where my frustration came in initially when I had a great property, but was really difficult to really manage. So what we do at Make Comfy, uh, we provide a full end-to-end management service for short-term rentals. And we focus on maximizing the rental returns for the owners and take away all the hassles from uh, furnishing to advertising the whole. Analytical pricing, that is important to to price your nightly rate differently every, every day, to the guest communication 24-7. You've got people from the States, people from Europe inquiring in their time zone to book you and you want to sleep at some point. To housekeeping, the maintenance, you don't know how often a lock can break when you think they never break. And it's all urgent for a guest. Uh, for a long-term tenant, if the fridge stops working, you have your time short-term, you have hours. fix and yeah that's all of the things that we really cover so it's hassle-free for you as a property owner and the goal is to maximize your rental returns.
0: Wow my brain's exploding even thinking about all the additional things that you actually have to consider when you're letting your property out short term because as you say you know a long-term tenant there's a, a bit more of a window of time that you've got to address issues but a guest is basically expecting perfection aren't they?
2: Yes, it's it's very important to understand what kind of guests you want to attract as well. Yeah. So if you price a property higher, you will get higher quality guests. And of course, the expectation is more of a really uh, looked after uh, service, um, have really, really high quality linen, uh, be available on the fingertip and um, have a property that's on a higher standard. So it's really important to understand what kind of guests you attract with your listing.
1: I mean, I can see that. I use Airbnb quite a fair bit. And, you know, it's always interesting because you can see the ones that have put a lot of thought into it. You get there, everything's quite nice, and then you see the ones that have just kind of got a few pamphlets, and I hope that you're just going to leave a good review and have it properly clean the place. And it's a complete art to actually pull it off and blow their expectations. Is um, you know, there's a lot to it.
2: Because if you if you do that, um, you get the good review, and you get the good review from guests that are higher quality and also caring. And yeah, that gives you sort of the future returns uh, as well. Um, Also talking about how to get in the property. I don't know how often that happens to you, but you get to the property, and then okay, like how do I get in and the host forgot to tell you where the key is or that there is a key? (laughs) Yeah, it's just one of those things um, that we see in the market.
1: And how does your business work then? So how do you help people rent out their property on Airbnb? And should everyone do that or is it just a certain portion?
2: I definitely say it's not for everyone. It is something that depends a lot of the location of the property and the type of the property, and we can go into that a bit later. But there's a lot that you need to simply take in mind before you list. And um, the most important thing is to understand is your property suitable, and if so, where are the risks for your strategy that you have in place for your property?
1: Just uh, for our listeners, I mean, I've sent clients who are thinking about Airbnb to you in the past, and. Mm. And you've produced a report that's actually a lot of data driven. That's what I love about it. And then that report helps my client think through, well, should we rent it long-term, get $1,500 a week? Or should we go short-term and maybe we'll get, say, $2,300 a week if it rents out at a 80% occupancy? Correct. And I guess that's the first of call is, is understanding what your long-term rental is before you consider short-term.
0: Actually, I've got a question for you, Chris, before you answer that, Kieran. Why... Are your clients thinking of Airbnb? Do they already own the property or are they thinking of buying a property?
1: One client was moving to Germany for the year, so that was an example. And we looked at the short-term versus long-term because do we rent it with furnished, you know, short-term for a year? Another one looking to upgrade, but rather than selling their home, then upgrading and taking on another million dollars of debt, why don't we just rent our place out? It's all furnished. It's all perfect. And we'll just go rent somewhere else. And the location of that place was in an area where it would attract travellers, it would attract high income execs Mm. because it was like in Alexandria. So I guess it's a
0: good opportunity to try before you buy in some respects. But Kieran, from your point of view, are there certain types of properties that are better suited to what you're doing versus others?
2: (laughs) Yes, so definitely, um, when we sort of um, educate, we talk about the the three most important things that you need to consider when you do short-term renting. Number one is location. It's like every property is all about location. Mm. In this case, it's about having a property where people want to either stay for leisure or for business. Mm -hmm. So that's a very important thing. And you also want to look at where your delta between long-term and short-term is quite high, because if that's similar, then you would only do this if you want the flexibility of using it yourself. So uh, the uh, second part is the type of property. We always say, like uh, depending on the location, if you look in the city, an apartment is performing very similar, a little bit higher than a house, but when you buy it, an apartment will come for you cheaper. So from a yield point of view, an apartment is uh the way to go. It has to be renovated. It has to be like literally on a on a high standard. Um that means uh, kitchen and bathroom uh, should have been really renovated over the last few years mm-hmm. and should be working for sure. Um the same with carpet and walls. It has to look healing because um the one thing that people look at is that one magic shot and bathroom and, and, and kitchen mm. um, and in that book. And then the the last bit is what we call X Factor. You really need to understand how the whole booking process works on the short term rental market. It is not, people don't come in and look at it. There's this one photo, and this one photo needs to be great. And that means the whole furnishing and the styling is really crucial. You can't go cheap and then uh, think you. You make uh, you make a, 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 a cracker. Um, you might do this for the love. You, you will not do it, right? Because there, these days, there, there are so many competitors, so many listings out yep. there. The expectation of travelers is it literally went up and up. So you need to have that kind of X factor. And if you have those three, all those ducks in a row, um, where we usually help, then it's potentially a good thing to do short-term renting. Yeah.
1: I think the X factor there is, to me, the number one. If it hasn't got an X factor you may get a short-term spike in rental because there might not be enough Airbnbs in, say, that part of, you know, and there's enough people wanting to holiday there. Um, yeah. But once people start making good money, then more Airbnbs hit the market and then yeah. the ones with X factors come and then your basically gets pushed to the bottom and I guess it's, it's a real supply-demand thing. But if there's lots of supply, it's the ones with the X factor that yeah. actually do well.
2: Yep. and that's where it almost doesn't matter when you have a really great property one of we manage actually Australia's best studio one bed uh, room apartment in regards of revenue returns on the short-term rental market it's a studio in um, uh, Darlinghurst Princess Lane mm. um, it's in one of those old princess buildings it looks really cool it belongs to a British songwriter that is a lot in the UK and then sort of one two months a year he's here but the whole thing is so quirky so, so really cool it's 120 square meters um, and it's so different that we get a lot of creative people, a lot of CEOs, a lot of people from from um, actually the states booking that, and they're booking up to you they're paying up to four hundred dollars a night wow. um, on that place, and that's only possible because it looks different yeah. and quirky, and of course, good got good reviews, and the location is right. But it's this kind of X factor. You look at that and think, oh, wow, I want to stay in that, and uh, I'm, I don't. I just pay what it is.
0: I was reading about some of these X factors and a bit of a manufactured X factor. There's some group that were putting together Star Trek-themed apartments for Airbnb. I think there was a whole similar site yep. for that. And, you know, and another one that does just vegan, so just for vegans. I mean, is that, do you sort of have to then sort of segment the market and say, right, well, I just want those guests? Is that important?
2: Yeah, I think one of the fun bits of Airbnb is you have a lot of really personality in, in some of the properties. Um, yeah. But, of course, I'm a Star Wars fan. I'm, my um, business partner is actually... Uh, vegetarian, and we have a few <laughs> vegans in our business. But we wouldn't say we want to now have a property that's just for vegans, because you limit your market size. Mm. Yeah. Um, so unless you're really into it and you have your your own place or your room and say, hi, hey, I would just want to have vegans stay with me, um, that's maybe an amazing thing because mm. you filter out all the meat eaters out there. And it's great and it's <laughs> mm. sort of quirky. So it's, um, I guess, a good strategy um, if you rent out your room uh, or share your place to get people that are passionate in the same areas you have, because you will have amazing conversations
0: but not the whole apartment. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
1: I was just thinking where um, the person hit some financial difficulties and then they're having to sell that Star Wars apartment on realestate.com.au. I think um, it would be pretty funny who rocked up to that. It's exactly right. With the X Factor though, why does someone care about an X Factor? Is because they want an experience and they want to have a different experience than where they live and different experience to renting out a hotel. And I guess that's where... Airbnb, even if it's priced the same as a hotel, mm. I get to live in a house that's actually maybe got a beautiful view, or it's a stunning old building, or it's architecturally designed, or something like that. I guess that's the that's why it matters. I guess
2: yeah. it's about if you look at why Airbnb is existing and why it grew so lot. So you have the whole thing about sharing your room with the air mattress, and that's how it came off. But why it really got global, and I'm um, really like like crazy, is because you can really go away from those white and black and gray service apartments and in hotels where people are sick of. And it's a bit like with other industries, like uh, if you look at the taxi industry or others that got disrupted, it's because people are sick of some kind of service or some kind of experience. And if something new comes in where where you can experience something that is so different, like where you can live like a local, like mm. literally, mm. it is really inspiring. It is these stories people talk about. Hey, I stayed in a place and it was um, vegan, or um, I stayed in this place and um, um, I felt like home. It is uh, it is yeah. amazing. I didn't feel like isolated. Um,
0: like you say, I live like a local. I know years ago I stayed in an apartment in Paris yeah. in La Marais, and. It was great. It was just like we had a key into our own sort of, it was before Airbnb even, but it was the the idea of a whole bunch of little apartments in this apartment building. It was like I pretended I was Parisian yeah. just for a week. You know, it was mm. that it was a different experience to going to my hotel.
2: Yeah. I mean, Airbnb didn't invent short term rentals or mm. like holiday yeah. rentals. It's like um, we've been going, like with my family, to the Normandy, to like Italian places like that. And we always stayed in houses mm. and the problems of, 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 of people, but we had this catalogue where we were looking at yeah. and uh, <laughs> it took a long time to communicate with with letters and faxes. <laughs> um, so I think it's, uh, it's, it's it's been around for a long time, but mm. really what Airbnb did is sort of made it available for the masses yeah. and you can Accessible. now see others like Booking.com, TripAdvisor jumping on that path.
1: And it's not just young people nowadays. It's, you know, all you know yeah. as mm. the early adopters, say, five, six years ago, you know, maybe it was the tech-savvy young professional, but it's now spreading to all ages. The kids have got the parents to an Airbnb and the Parents are now going on holidays. And it has changed. In my view, it's changed travel completely. And, you know, we're going to New Zealand and first thing I do is Look at flights and look at Airbnb. You know, it's the first, it's the second, you know, I don't go to hotels.com. <laughs> yeah. it's straight why, why would you, right? Like, yeah. like why
2: would you go into a block of apartments that's somewhere built to stay and all the fun is somewhere else, right? Yep. And you could mm. stay where the fun is, um, where your attraction is, where you want to be, you're close to your family or close to a mountain or whatever because all you only need is one room or one apartment or one house, not a whole block of uh, mm. of things. And yeah. talking
0: about blocks, now that uh, in New South Wales there's some legislation yeah. proposed or going to go through at some point but it hasn't actually been drafted yet right and even in I know in other states certainly in WA there was a I think a high court case that upheld uh, buildings bylaws to outlaw uh, short-term rentals so now in New South Wales you know it looks like in urban areas it's going to be a maximum of 180 days a year right yep. how is that going to impact on investors looking at and how is it going to be impact on your business?
2: Yeah that's a great question and it's sort of. It really depends on how you look from that. We hear a lot like government cracks down Airbnb, but what actually happened, they made, like everyone can rent on Airbnb now. You cannot ban it at all in your place, whatever, if it's your prime place of residence. And that's been um a huge uh, success because prior it was really grey and it was depending on you know, on the council and the council pointed on the Swarta, Swarta pointed on on, on themselves and that, but they couldn't enforce yeah. it. So it was really difficult. And it was this kind of awkward thing for guests and awkward things for property owners. And um so the first thing is now um really accepted as a as a way to to rent your property or as a way to to really travel um in the state, which is fantastic. Now what um, um also um happened is it... it there was no regulation before. And where you have no regulation and legislation, it is people will do what no say what they want, but a lot of people will do what they want and what they can. And that is not good. So um there are of course stories about um people, I guess, not, not behaving um the way they maybe should, landlords putting in a lot of fat into and yeah having like eight people staying in a place now that's not limited to short-term you see this on a long-term market as well mm. um, and it's simply about like limiting those things and i think the government did really well on addressing that with proposed two-strike rule um for guests and for uh, property owners or managers that you have to you have to have your ducks in a row and that means you have to uh, communicate certain rules and um, you have to make sure they're enforced and you have to have a process that if someone Things need to have, uh, invite 10 friends um, into your uh, little studio of a party. Well, that's not good. Mm. And that shouldn't be good. And now yep. the great thing is the guest gets banned. They will be able to be fined. It's fantastic. We at Make Comfy have been really looking into that um, since the beginning, the clear rules. So no party, no additional people in the property and, uh, except those that are registered. Yeah. And if you break that, you face eviction. And we can walk in and say, sorry, it's over. Long-term, you can't. Uh, you mm. need to give seven days' notice and the whole thing. It becomes really difficult to manage. And we have a lot of um, building managers that are actually really happy. They can call us and say, hey, I think there's a, something happening in there. And we can just call the guest or walk in and say, like, obviously knock the door, but you can check on that. Mm. And um, we can do something, which is fantastic. But not everyone has been doing that in the past, so now they have to because there are consequences. Now, the 180-day uh, cap, it means uh, book days. So if you look at the normal occupancy of 75 to 80%, and that gives you around 240 days a year where you can advertise uh, short-term. For us, it's actually great because we launched um, about three months ago a product called Made Comfy Living because we've been um, trying to address a mm-hmm. different tenant market of millennials, freelancers, and consultants that, that don't want to pay $3,000 bond, that don't want to pay $20,000 for furnishing, that don't want to pay... I heard today the highest paid tradesperson is a removalist. 93 dollars an hour on average <laughs> wow. which is ridiculous and mm-hmm. when you move all of those costs you have and if you are like more of a free person like you have with millennials these days yeah. you you have a project for four months in melbourne and you you might want to live there you have a project that you can do online and you want to experience bondi or manly for 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 this period you can't just do that and we wanted to have a product that enables people to, to rent a place for three months, four months, furnished, looked after 100%. So we've, we've launched actually a few yeah, months cool. ago. And that legislation is fantastic because it, it helps us now to actually have a hybrid of a well, product. Question
0: R- on that because there's no set definition of what short-term is.
2: Yeah, well, count, well, this is going to be set. I assume they will set that, mm. and that is um, either everyth- anything that is below three months. It might be everything below one month. It might yeah. be yeah. Uh, something yeah. where you don't, where you haven't signed a tenancy agreement. So that's something that needs to be uh, set, mm. but my understanding is it will be a certain time frame. If it's below, it's classified as short term. If it's above, then it is uh, long term. The reason why Fair Trading actually made bylaws invalid that were restricting short term rentals was that no one can say why well, three months is good and two mm. months and 28 days is not yeah. good. Yeah. Right? There's no reason for that. And um, that's why in New South Wales, um, there were two court cases and Fair Trading actually banning bylaws that are restricting short term rentals or Airbnb in the billing.
0: So, with your Made Comfy Living the yeah. new product you're, you're launching, so you're creating a market for that.
2: Well, the market. We, I think um, companies don't create a market. The market is sort of like there, and you mm. either tap into yeah. that. And then yeah. um, what? What the but way? Well, it you're happen-
0: articulating a market. Yeah, because, because it,
2: yeah, yeah. I think yeah. what what you as a as a as a startup, you may be more listening to to the to the market. Mm. We we are very close to yeah. our, t- our guests and our property owners, and and we simply heard that a lot that people say, "I want to book it for four months. Can we do that?" And yeah. um, the same uh, property owners saying, "Look, I'm going to move away for four months. Do you have a place in Melbourne?" And sort of. Like often our places were booked out or um, um, we say, oh, we don't know. Like, um, yep. But now we have a way to price it as well because mm. those tenants are also willing to pay more because you save so much. Yep. Uh, so other than 700 a week, you might be happy with 850, 880 um, simply because you, you don't have to pay anything um, um, to move and you have the flexibility to leave at any time um, after your period.
1: It was a market. I mean, if you were traveling for four months to Melbourne, work would just pay for a service department <laughs> yeah. for you or something. Yeah. But no, I think it's brilliant. I mean, upgraders are one of the perfect markets for that product because client will come to me and say, look, I am I really need to get out of this house. You know, we've got two kids. It's too small, but we need to buy a bigger house. Mm-hmm. In the past, you would quite confident to do that in a moving market because you would try to buy before you sell because what you want to buy is going to take some time and you don't want the market to basically move on you. In a bit of a flatter market and a bit unsure about what you're going to sell your property for, a lot of upgraders are now thinking, well, I'll sell first, I'll bank my money, and then I'll go out shopping. But what that's creating is this gap, and this gap might be a month, it might be six months, where they need something short term. Mm. And renting a house that's fully furnished is the perfect solution for them. Yeah, because you can
0: just put all your stuff in storage and it's only really one move effectively. It goes into a container and then stays there until you're ready to go to wherever you buy.
1: Yeah. So um, because I'm, I always yeah. say jump on Airbnb and then a the problem is when you get Airbnb, it's like, oh, one night, 300 bucks times three yeah. months. Okay, yeah. this is going to cost us $30,000. Airbnb just, you know, end of the day, I think pretty amazing when you think about how many tourists come to Australia and our growth curve on tourism is through the roof and these people have to stay somewhere. Yep. Yeah. And so we tourism drives our economy a lot and we need to put them somewhere and they don't want to stay in hotels So then they're thinking about Airbnb and this is why it's becoming a bit of a, a problem I guess
2: yeah I think just on that maybe the the thing the problem is there's a shortage of accommodation out there to address people that come to Sydney uh, which is great it's rather have that than having empty properties and like oh no one wants mm. to come to sydney and sydney and new south wales do so much to attract people to come here and you have of course your visitors but you also have your business travelers yeah. you've got a lot of global companies that are here and that have and um, people saying you've got like let's just look at google facebook um they have their their big headquarters here and and they have so many people then those guys i tell you they don't stay in hotels and they don't stay in service apartments. They stay in uh, short-term rentals mm. because it's also part of their of quirky nature. Yeah? Mm. Um, <laughs> so it's it's a great thing. Um, and I can tell you a few of the stats if, you, yeah, if do, you're interested. Please. Right? So we've um, released a market report um, earlier this year where we looked into the uh, supply and demand, especially on the travel side. And one thing um, that went up significantly over the last sort of um, seven years is the visitors that come internationally to yeah. to Sydney. And that went up by about a million. So from 2.7 yeah. million 2010 uh, to 3.7 million uh, just last year. Now, 3.7 million people, we have had no major hotel being built in the last 30 years oh, okay, um, in so Sydney. That's new. So the Sofitel <laughs> was the first, or I think, 30 <laughs> years it was built in the city mm. uh, after the Westin. But it's like, like there are four hundred rooms. Like, what yeah. are they doing with the with 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 millions? And and then you've got, of course, those that want to stay uh, in the city. But then you've got those that visit family. You have got those that that, that visit uh, or work with small businesses that. Can't afford to have a water view uh, office in uh, in Pitt Street, and and they often are in the in the in the in the west and um, they are um on the lower North Shore. Um, and and yeah, where where do you put those those people? And that's and that's I think something that is a great problem to have, and that drives the demand on Airbnb. Airbnb wouldn't grow if no one would book it. Um, so and in Sydney, it's one of the top ten cities in the world in short rental demand, and um, that's a great thing because that means the city does something right that people want to come here. And uh, you have, um, I guess, two things on that. As a property owner, you make money um, by people um, staying in your property, but those people spend a lot of other money, right? They buy food, they buy clothes, they they use um, Australian services. So it's uh, it's a fantastic thing to have.
0: That sounds all fabulous, and I can understand why investors, property investors, are going to be clamoring, just going, "This is fantastic!" You know, I get extra yield, and you know, this is the growth market. Really, is it that? Good for property investors, though, across the board. Now, I realise that you've said one, two, three factors that yep. are that important. And I get what you're saying around that, but still people can get caught up in the hype of it, can't they? I mean, how many people come to you with a property that really isn't suitable?
2: I would say maybe half. Mm. Half of the, the leads that we, that we get are maybe not suitable and we don't accept every property too. So, again, some property investors um, have a fantastic property but don't really want to invest. Mm-hmm. And then in that case, you stay with long-term because... Um, just on that, yeah.
1: why you said invest for our listeners, that's basically, what. what is that?
2: Uh, so invest means like, let's say you haven't renovated your bathroom for 30 years. Right? Oh, yeah. and long-term, <laughs> you still get your 650 for two better, um, which is not great, but you simply don't want to uh, invest. Mm. Or it's simply in a location where it doesn't work. Um, yeah, it needs to be in a location where people want to stay.
1: And I believe that you also say that kit it out and furnish it because, you yep. know, renting on the short-term market, they're not going to furnish it. But if they go make comfy, then they do. So yep. they've got to invest and buy $20,000 of furniture.
2: Yep. So the, the, um, what we've um, tried since the beginning is to get this hurdle really low to to start short-term rental. And um, so what we do is we take the whole furnishing um, away from you as a hassle, and then we finance that um, interest-free over two years. So if you look into a typical uh, two-bedder in Darlinghurst or Pemont. Long term, you get like eight fifty. Now, if you even look at after paying, because you have to pay an agent, uh, you have 5%, letting fee, advertising fee, and all the fees they charge you goes down to like maybe seven, seven eighty, seven ninety net, uh, if you if you're good. So what we do on the short term rental side, it's um we will generate around with a good property, fourteen hundred, fifteen hundred a week. Now, um the difference um, will easily pay for the one one fifty to one sixty dollars per week for the furnishing. So we took that hurdle away. Uh, You don't have any additional outlay to furnish your property in a great way to get started. But
0: but what about your fees? Because I imagine you charge a lot more than a typical property manager.
2: Yeah. Um, So uh, that's also a great question because um, sometimes we have people like, oh my God, like um, this is ridiculous. Um, But the figures I just told you were net. That was after paying us. So um, we would um, generate higher gross return and uh, we take a commission of 20%. But again, what I always tell people is uh, if you uh, want to make money in real estate, you look into what you actually make and not what you pay people to make money. Yeah. And I'd rather have a great accountant, a great agent, and a great buyer's agent on anything that really makes helps me to make a good deal. And then if I make more than I would do with all the other solutions, paying cheap, I don't look at the commissions and um, the quality you pay for.
0: I do want to go back to this 180 night. A, yep. a year because I, I didn't quite understand what you were saying, ah. how that, you know, could be 240 advertised. Yep. And also how does that impact on that cash flow, that amount? I mean, are you working on the fact that that basically means that – well, it's not even every second weekend. Oh, 180, what's 180 <laughs> nights a year in terms of how many weekends so, are in that? It's so, every so,
1: weekend, yeah. Yeah, so, so
0: that's more than every weekend. You yeah, can basically,
1: so th- yeah. yeah. I guess what
2: our strategy is maybe not to fill the weekends. We would try to fill the week. Mm-hmm. Um, and the average occupancy you sort of get is around the, the 80s. Um, now, I say that because I some people will tell you you need 95% and everything. It's with all these things. If your occupancy goes too high, you charge not enough. So it's about the nightly rate times your occupancy is your return. Mm. So we sort of drive around the 80%. And now 80% occupancy, if you simply divide uh, 180 by divided by point seven five, right. or 0. 0.8, you get to the 240s. That means 240 days you advertise,
0: mm.
2: right? And in those 240 days, you get 180 night, nights booked.
1: Well, I guess and the cap is on booked nights,
2: not advertised, because yeah, that wouldn't really be feasible.
1: I guess the so, irony out of all this as well, I just hadn't thought about it, is that, if everyone else can only do 180 nights, you've basically halved the supply of Airbnb because, you know, oh, yeah. instead of him renting it for 365, <laughs> mm. instead of a 1,000 properties could rent out at 365 days a year, you've now got a 1,000 properties that can only rent at 180 days a year. Yeah. So you're basically the supply, supply of actual enough. option. And so what that means is that there's less options for travellers and so there's more competition for Airbnb. So the 180 nights, you might be able to get a higher price yeah. because of that
2: yeah so a, a couple of things <laughs> so it's, it's not roughly half so it's like 240 out of 365 so um, that's what properties will be advertised on mm. uh so yeah but you definitely reduce the supply it will also become harder so what i said before is what we do is we mix it with make comfy living have a tenant in there for like three four months and then the rest um, uh, we do short term. We can also be really specific now and say, in high demand times, we, we block it for for the living bit. We, we go only for short term. And then for sort of where travelers really, uh, where it's been more quiet, June, May uh, in Sydney, for example, we really target corporates to, to fill it with a three month rental. So that's what we will do to really, uh, again, drive the revenue. But that's very difficult for you as a single person. That's very yeah. difficult if mm. you if you don't have partnerships and things like that. So there will be definitely an impact on the demand side because it will become more difficult.
1: or even this. the accountability mm. around just cleaning the place and changing the sheets mm. and making sure all the small okay. things. Like if you're renting something short term, that's your responsibility. You mm. can't pass that buck to anyone if the cleaner doesn't rock up it comes down to your review and yep. there's no one there managing any of that even booking someone in if their credit card fails and you've got to get the payment again there's all these issues that you don't even realize just trying to rent it yourself till you're halfway down the journey and uh you know if you haven't factored in a, a management company to your costs mm. and then you've gone and bought an airbnb apartment and you can't manage it yourself and then you go use a management company and then they take the fee off and then you would it's just, it's, it's a minefield and if you haven't really done it before, it's very dangerous just buying something thinking that, you know, you're going to make money off it.
0: Because let's face it, the platform itself, Airbnb, that's all it is, is a platform. Beyond that, they might have all these insurances and things that they offer, but in terms of getting any service from them, I know from personal experience, it's almost impossible.
2: But one thing on the insurance, you always need an additional um, insurance. It's a bit of a thing, so Airbnb says they have this insurance that covers up to a million dollars, but your property is more worth than a million dollars, and the people that stay in there potentially will sue you for more than a million dollars if Something really bad happens. So it's really, it's so important to have uh, a short term rental insurance. And we work with companies like ShareCover, like uh, Tony Shear and Cover. There are a few companies that really offer that very competitively. That's so important. You need to do that regardless if you have a management company or not. You, You need to. And if a management company tells you they are covered by insurance, 99% Ninety-nine percent, they will reflect to the Airbnb insurance. So don't listen to that kind of stuff. It really, like, make sure you're insured. The other bit is, um, you literally need to understand. Going back to your question, is uh, do your research before, um, do your research on the property, uh, but also on the partner you work with. And it is not an easy thing. Um, you will see currently, I think forty-five, fifty, like Airbnb managers uh, out there, and most of them would we'll call them Sydney's best and Sydney's. Uh, Best and biggest and everything. Australia
1: the um, world's greatest party. Yeah,
2: <laughs> and um, therefore they call themselves the world's biggest. And that's um, you don't need you need to you need you need facts. And uh, if you get facts, you can make a decision that's that, that's comfortable with you. Uh, <laughs> and um, if you don't have facts um, and you need to trust someone, I always say, in God we trust. Everyone else must bring data. And it's Is it
0: regulated? Is your industry? regulated. So
2: that's also a very interesting thing because um, you will find companies out there that have no license. Um, we have a real estate license because we take money on behalf of the owner and um, we have a trust account and everything mm-hmm. like that is, um We act there like a real estate agency. Uh, I know that not everyone is doing that. Mm-hmm. And um, it's important because at the end um, that person can run away with your money if it's not in a trust account. And it's always good to say, oh yeah, like, she'll be right. No? Like um, everything <laughs> is good, but things happen until it isn't yep.
0: so how does it work with with airbnb then so because airbnb have their payment platform and they make mm-hmm. their money and how does that all link together
2: but uh, so you have to uh talk airbnb how they from a um, legislation point of view manage that but yeah if you book an airbnb um, airbnb takes the payment of the guest and then they pay the listing owner the day after check-in the way it works with us, the, the guest pays Airbnb, then Airbnb pays us, goes on a trust account, and then um, month end we we then um, pay our owners, and um, we have an owner portal that we build ourselves um, where you see all your bookings, all your uh, gross and net returns, nightly rates, um, who's staying, number of guests, and all of that kind of stuff. We we then uh, put in there, um, yeah, and then uh, month end we 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 pay the uh, owner um, less our fees.
1: I mean, it's interesting that you talk about additional fees. Clients are say considering doing a development, and mm-hmm. one of the biggest mistakes they'll make is they forget to add in a cost. And that cost might be a big cost and things like that. And it's the similar thing with the you know, short term rental market. They'll forget to add in the additional cleaning fee or the Airbnb fee. Airbnb do take a pretty decent chunk out of every booking. And so I guess it's when you are looking at doing short term. It's important you know exactly what all these fees are. We talked a lot about city property and city apartments and very clear why it's a a good option to consider when you own an apartment in one of these inner ring suburbs where the short-term could work out better. And it might not be a good idea if you own a house 40K from the city where no business or no holiday people want to travel to. The holiday market's always been where people think, oh, I'll buy a house down on the South coast or up on the North coast, and I'll use it over summer and the school holidays and Christmas. And then the rest of the time I'll just Airbnb it. And so what's your experience with, with people buying holiday homes with the expectation that they're going to be able to rent it out on Airbnb. And when they do list it on Airbnb, there's lots of others for Airbnb as well.
2: Um, I think that again, it depends. Um, So, so if your property is remote and it's this farm somewhere forty-five, fifty kilometers away, you uh either have someone to to help you with that or you uh simply need to uh yeah prepare for for that. So think about how do people get in and out, and how do you do the cleaning, uh the linen, how do you um who do we have um, in case um the um like air conditioning stops working or like anything happens like trades people wise. I know a couple that are really organized and um, and do that um, themselves but you need to understand it is, is that's why I started the um, Sabrina Make comfy because I had that in the city and it was it was really really difficult
0: but the problem is that companies like yours don't tend to service the areas outside yeah. the city do they
2: yeah so uh, for us um, we are launching um, a service uh, ne- early next year um, that is addressing um, those those regions. Uh, currently um, um we've been um, approached by by states which is now calledha away and um, they ask us how how could you help us because we focus a lot on the regions and um, really love what you do how can you actually help our um, client base to to make that easier and um, yeah that was a trigger that sort of enabled us to but well, how could we actually do that um, and that's something we're launching uh, early next year, mainly focusing on like the regions uh, like Katoomba, Central Coast, Southern Highlands, yep. or Victoria um, um, regions. It's a combination of tech and um, enabling service partners close by to to run it under the Macamfy flag.
1: Yeah, I guess what I was trying to get to there is, as well is that you know I've got a lot of clients who work in the city that they don't really want to spend their weekends on the city, so they mm. want to spend it down the South Coast or Central Coast. Blue Mountains, etc., and they're saying, well, we'll buy an Airbnb, we'll buy a holiday house, and then we'll Airbnb it, and then we'll use it. But the problem is when they want to use it is when other people mm. want to use it. Yep. So they're basically being their own customer. And especially <laughs> when you come to like Christmas mm. and Easter and school holidays, they're your prime time to rent your holiday, yep. but you want to use it. Now, it works great for someone who's retired I was down in in Kalbara Beach, which is near Jarvis Bay a couple of weeks ago, and we got chatting to a couple. And their Airbnb makes a lot of money because on a Friday they come to Sydney and they stay in Sydney. And then during the week they use their Airbnb when no one wants to rent it. And so that's where an Airbnb works really well. But for a lot of families who want to buy a holiday home, the problem is when they want to use it is when everyone else wants to use it. And um, it's very hard to make it sustainable. I think holiday homes, think
2: about why you buy a holiday home and um, you need to be able to, I guess, finance that. I love the way you say you're the, the best, your own best customer. Um, <laughs> but um, if you if you can finance it and sort of you, you want some cream on top to sort of pay it up quicker or have some extra cash, then it's maybe good because yeah. every booking you get is, is yay, it's some extra money we can spend. But if you really depend on the income, yeah, exactly. then what might happen is you never use it. because um, you always have guests in there and you always say okay I actually need that booking so then you don't use it and then you have to think about why did you buy it in the first place Mm. Um, was it an investment property or was it a lifestyle property Uh, so I guess when I uh, mentioned very early I'm thinking about why you're buying a property in the first place before you think about short term or not
1: that's a really good point as well like That's the problem with holiday homes more broadly is we think we're going to use it more than we actually do. And so most of the time we think we'll go there every weekend, but life takes over and we go once every three weeks. And then at the end of the year, you are only been down there 16 times. It's
0: like owning a boat. What did you say? It's like um, owning
1: a boat.
2: What we have is um, on a a different way. We have property owners that have a few properties and they actually stay uh, in them from now and then. Um, They were probably in Melbourne and Brisbane. In the city or a couple in the city and actually use them and um, when they sort of want to then it really because they're in, in locations where it makes sense at any time it is a bit of an easier decision to stay in it and it's actually one of those nice extras you get with a short-term rental versus long term you can experience your property Yep. That's and um, really
0: when it sort of dovetails in with your lifestyle choices isn't it I mean it gives you flexibility and some level of cash flow and I guess you get some tax deductions out of it as well and that works but if you buy it purely with that idea or holding out and expecting that that's going to be your pathway to riches then I guess that's a bit of an issue You know, only recently I know somebody that Rented a brand new apartment in Erskineville in Sydney. I don't know if you know where Erskineville is, but it's just yep. just in Newtown. in Newtown. There's about I don't know if you've got any clients in there. Yep. Uh, there's about a thousand apartments that have been built recently. I think the last building is being built at the moment. The apartment that my friend uh, leased for a month was owned by an investor who had bought four with the sole purpose of you know having them furnished and renting them out Airbnb for short term. I think he's doing all the hard yards himself. I don't think he's using another, like a middleman, you know, like your business. So he's gone and bought the furniture package, you know, got the linen, got the cutlery, got the washing machines, all that sort of palaver, and then discovered, oh, God, I'm not the only one. There's loads of them in here, and mm. they're all exactly the same. So, you know, if someone comes to you with property like that, is, is, does that fit your criteria in terms of... <laughs> The ideal property.
2: So Erskineville is definitely a good place. So that's the, that's the the number one. And we have a couple of properties that perform um, like exceptionally in Erskineville. But of course, it's a bit like if you're on a market and you are selling the the, the the poorest and worst looking stand. Yeah. And um, we can have a million people going through the market. Mm. No one will buy from you because you literally like I don't buy cheese from them. And it doesn't look right. Yep. So it's 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 you need to it goes back to the X factor. Um it needs yeah. to look great mm. and you also need to know how to price and yes. where to advertise. Yep. One thing um I guess um we haven't talked about is a bit the whole pricing part of it. On the long-term market, you you know you use core logic and you know like okay, it's seven fifty. Let's try six seven seventy, but we know roughly where we are. On the short-term the sites, every night is different. Wow. And there is no one that can tell you. It's it's 150 a night. We've got owners that come to us and say, I have a hundred and fifty nine dollar property and I want it on that price, not below. So it's about working on that and understanding that are nights maybe you need to be at 110 and other nights you can be at two fifty. And in average, you might then go from one fifty to one eighty in average. And that's a big part where we have a whole data analytics team.
0: They use AI um, to do that?
2: We, we, actually, we actually have a, um, uh, he's one of my, my heroes now, business called Tyler. He can do stuff I can't. Him and uh, Maria, um, who's uh, his manager, they do data analytics and it's 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 literally impressive what we identify and what we use to understand if we go up or down and it goes down, of course, demand and supply, goes down to reviews, goes down to things that are time of day of the week. like A mm. few really cool things that that make sense when they tell you, but um, to find that in the data is really, really interesting. So that's something that is really important. And where we add a lot of value um, is not just take about all that service, but but enabling our owners to to generate more with their property by that part. The other bit is we advertise on um, platforms like Booker.com, TripAdvisor. We are one of Booking.com's um, biggest, if not the biggest, customer uh, they have in Sydney, and we have a very close relationship with their team. And um, Booking.com itself is uh, last year they decided, uh, yes, um, short-term rentals are great. The whole company is currently investing like a lot of money, millions, into advertising short-term rentals. So yeah. understanding how again their search engine works, what you need to put on there, what their um, sort of client base is. Their their client base are people that want to book a hotel. Yep. Yeah? So. Yeah. tailoring the listing that is appealing for them is very important. So all of that is something that is really, really important. It's often forgotten. You think about the furnishing, yeah, I go to Ikea. And then the cleaning, yeah, I've got uh, I've got mom or I've got mm. someone that can do that, my house cleaner and, and fight. That's not it. That's when you are average and that's when you don't book out and that's when you end up in Erskineville, which is a great suburb with rental returns that are disappointing.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And so basically, do you then push – up the pricing or do you take it from whatever booking.com algorithm says? No,
2: no, they don't have. So Airbnb has an algorithm Mm, um, and the algorithm is, is great if you have your own room and it gives you some indication, but their motivation is to be cheaper than hotels and to give you a booking. So the worst scenario for them is, of course, if you don't get bookings, because then you go away from Airbnb, mm. or for guests to be yeah. too expensive and the experience is poor. Yeah. So that's why they are really giving an average, and um, yeah, and it is okay. Um, but what we go in is, um, we we have a different algorithm that is tailored to charge what what you can by still delivering an experience that is great for the guests, so they um they think it was great. And yeah, that's I mean, it's a like an difference. air
1: flight, right? Like if you go look at airplane tickets you know yeah, exactly. they're always going to price it based on demand and if you get an extra 50 bucks for the flight then they will and and if they've filled 80 percent of the flight already then they will say well we don't need to fill the extra 20 percent we'll just charge it at 500 a flight and whoever's crazy enough to pay that then that's great and i mean all these different tactics that you have you can't just think oh well i've bought an airbnb i should get 300 a night times 80 yeah. percent times 180 days I you know. should make fifty grand. Yeah. you know, I'm going to just buy a Bentley, work.
2: now, right? Because I'm going to be rich. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> before but, you. Make- <laughs> but
0: also, you mentioned a couple of times the ratings. Now you're at the mercy of whatever the consumer decides to upload in terms of. And I don't know Airbnb, for instance, encourages ratings. Yeah. What happens if you get a bad one? It's unfair.
2: Yeah, so again, the, there's a process. So uh, the process um, that we have is we don't wait until that happens. And then, oh damn, this uh, this was unfortunate. Mm. So we we are communicating with our guests when they're booked, before they arrive, the day after they arrive, and then the day of departure. And um, we try to really capture any kind of disappointment early and then try to solve it. Uh, so by the time they actually review, even even there was a hiccup somewhere uh, or some kind of thing that they expected differently, you, you addressed it and it doesn't um, evolve in this kind of first moment of anger mm-hmm. and finally they can take uh, that. And it's often little things that, that trigger um, bad reviews. It can be, sometimes it can be little things like dust underneath the couch. Mm-hmm. It can be a delayed check-in. It can yeah. be anything. Important is um, anything. What what guests really want? They want they want to know that you care mm. and that you're there to help them. And um, if you do that and you're available and you solve, you will get a five-star review, even if there were hiccups. And that's um, an important bit um, that that has that that you have to do. And it's important to understand you're the customer service business
1: when you do Airbnb. And most people are starting to understand that five stars are the measure of success in life. Nothing um, less. And uh, you know, and, and on and, that,
0: on that, any listeners that love this show, please give us a five star review <laughs> yeah, on iTunes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every star makes us feel very happy. Um, we
0: look at all of them. Yeah,
1: but like I've got hundreds of Ubers over the last years. I've never not given a driver. A f- I mean, there was once I've not given a five star yeah. because I'm like, this is their job. That you know, want to earn some money. And then I'm what's
0: just, the point of it? Yeah, well, that's if the problem. What,
1: what
2: is your rating on, on Uber?
1: Uh, it's about four point eight. That's yeah, not bad. <laughs> it's, it's, I've
2: definitely had
1: a few people. I don't know more, what it is. Well, because I quite like... Right, you, you ask know, them. Well, I use it a lot, to be honest. You so. can see it on the app. Yeah. Uh,
2: my, my rating is 4.74 at the moment. And, like and I don't why actually, I I, I'm really tracking that. And I, I wonder why, why are Uber drivers actually giving you anything less than five stars oh, if you're polite. <laughs> and I realize when I'm sometimes a little bit late, I get a four star, and it's really Ooh. upset. And like, like anyway, I think the rating thing becomes uh, more more known, I guess, to people that you care about. Like, even when you go on the Uber now, you say hi, how are you, and uh, you're really nice. In the taxi days, you you maybe wouldn't have done this. So mm. it's a good trigger. The fact that you know your Uber rating, I think, yeah. is, is fantastic. And I'm yeah,
0: trying to um, find it. How do you even <laughs> find it? I'm on the app now. You go on the
2: on the top left.
0: Top left, of yeah. the app, yeah. Oh, the little three
2: little dots. Yeah, and then when it says three point five. Oh my god,
0: I'm only four point five three. Oh, oh, what God. have I been doing wrong? Somebody once told me that if I – if I Maybe
1: you talk too much.
0: I don't talk <laughs> at all. That's probably – maybe that's – oh, sometimes I talk very early, but, you know, I'm always polite.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, Uber driver's is probably <laughs> God, always going no, to – i am paranoid now. Yeah, every Uber <laughs> driver is probably going to pick you up, though, but not on Airbnb. So yep. if you've got – this is why I'm a little bit obsessed with my Airbnb rating. Uh, my fiancé quite laughs at me. But um I'm I'm terrified of getting a bad review yep. because I wanna be at it if I wanna rent out a beautiful place, I wanna know that they're gonna look at my profile, see I've got forty reviews and go, Yep, he's a great, great mm-hmm. tenant. Rather than last review, one star, because you left the place, you know, dirty, Tip. you had a party yep. and you know, if I was renting out a place, any bad review, I would not let them rent it. Is that your policy? We or- will definitely
2: check reviews. And if there's anything like that in there, even if a direct book, we would cancel. Um, okay. And you can do that. Yes, um, but if there's five there's-
0: people, you know, in the booking and only mm-hmm. one person is actually making the booking. What about the other four people?
2: Now, that person is responsible. So um, there are a few things that you have that is more than just a review. You pay a bond like a security deposit. We encourage anyone, even if you do it yourself, always charge a security deposit because that's what you have to make any kind of repairs. And of course, you you have their money. So if they, like, let's say they book for a week and um, there is an issue in the first night, you can evict them. You keep all the money. They get no refund. And if there's any damage, you keep their, their security deposit. So for the whole group, if they know that, and if you educate them up front what the rules are and what happens if they break the rules all of them a lot of money um that is about to be to be lost and if you do that before that book you reduce your risk of attracting someone that is that is not um has different intentions quite a lot and they will go somewhere else um, where they know they can do these things and it's important to know people exist that are Maybe have a bit of a, a different um, understanding of uh, loudness of uh, mm. of um, social behavior.
0: Yep, how? hot uh, you curry.
2: and and that's <laughs> and that's uh, general. This is not this again. We have a long term too. you have mm. long term tenants, and this is why they're background checks, and this yep. is why you need to have a reference before you sort of uh, get a place as a tenant, because people are not always uh, in the best uh, the best shape, I guess.
0: Every week we hear incredible stories of the dumb things property buyers do. Dumb things that end up costing them a lot of money and or creating a whole lot of stress. Mistakes that can be avoided. And before I ask you, Kieran, I'm going to volunteer one here. I'm volunteering myself as a property dumbo, okay? Oh, here
1: we go. (laughs) Here
0: we go. I'm not going to go into great detail here, but... um, First of all, I'm a dumbo for owning a weekender. That's I'll put that right out there. But I bought the weekender with my ex before I knew what I know now. So <laughs> some time ago and decided to test out Airbnb or test out the short term market. And I did look into companies like you. So it's interesting that you're about to launch a business early next year for the outside of the Sydney market. So this particular property is an hour out of Sydney. And I researched and researched and researched. And I thought I'd research everything. And I also looked into getting someone like you to help me out. And there were no one that was interested in going anywhere near there. So I had to find all the support people, et cetera, et cetera. But what I didn't realize is that you can put terms and conditions in there. And that can mean that if somebody misbehaves, you keep their rent and you kick them out. And I just didn't know. I didn't know that people were capable of doing what people are capable of doing. And the very first guests I had basically has ultimately cost me $35,000. Yeah. In fact, more in, in terms of lost revenue as well and just the general stress and all the rest of it out of the whole experience because they came, they lied, they had a party, even though it was stressed and stressed and stressed. That you know that it's not a party place, et etc., cetera, et cetera, And I just didn't even know what to do because I hadn't even anticipated that would happen. And so I'm the property dumbo. <laughs> <laughs> so please, please, all of you, learn from my mistakes. <laughs> but Kieran, you must have some others.
1: Um,
2: can I just give you some 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 uh, um, quick uh, yeah? uh, suggestions? A few things you you can do to avoid that. Um, is, um, number one, um, having a short of mental insurance um, that will, uh, whatever happens, cover? I
0: did. But the thing yeah. is I didn't realise that, that was something I could have done. I didn't realise yeah. that I could have gone up there. If I had gone up there and evicted them that yeah. next morning, yeah. I… Are they
2: stayed for more than one night? Only two nights. Okay. But still, they yeah. did
0: all the damage on the first night. But if I had evicted them, you know, yeah. the neighbour fallout wouldn't have happened yeah. because they would have seen I would have stepped right on it. But I didn't even know that that was an option. I just, I just was so caught out by the whole scenario yeah. that I didn't know, I did not know what to do. Yeah. And I did the best I could, but it wasn't good enough. And the thing is that, you know, if you engage somebody who's an expert as the middle man or middle woman, then you will have someone who actually has all those systems in, and processes in yeah. place.
2: Yeah. yeah
0: but right. do you go on with your yeah. suggestions no, for others? Uh,
2: the, the other thing is there are certain digital locks that um, work with the camera so you can actually um, see who is um, there before you let them in. Um, ah. And that's a cool thing. You can see if there's yeah. a group. Right. Um, and that's one thing. There are cool devices that are device counters. They count the number of mobile devices in the property. Oh-hoo. And that's something we currently testing Technology. on a few things. Mm. And there are also um, decibel um, alarms. But ah. if the loudness goes up above a certain decibel, uh, you get a notification. Wow. And if you combine that, especially for the remote places, you can... You have something that gives you a sort of maybe an alert before things go south. Um, you can then call the guest, um, and if there's no answer, you actually call the police. Yeah. And um yeah, because it's important you you mm. you do something in this, uh yeah. Fantastic.
1: And that's the thing. Great
0: tips, thanks. Yeah.
1: And as a as an investor, setting all that up, monitoring it, uh, dealing with it you know it's not something you really want to do you don't Um, and
0: i can tell you i i'm sure as hell that's not sort of investor i want to be either but it is interesting to know there's technology for that but once again you've got it's like anything and particularly with property you don't know what you don't know no i you know as i said i actually did look for someone but there was no one out there in that space to help me but you know for property buyers and property owners across the board, when you're looking at this, and even when you're looking at buying, even if you're not looking at a short-term rental as, as as the market, it's you've got to understand there's so much more that you don't know than what you do know. And it's the stuff you don't know that's going to cost you.
1: Yeah. And so what are these property dumbers that you've brought along for us
2: today? <laughs> so um, uh, one, um, we, yeah, we actually have quite a, quite a few of that um, when we do our <laughs> pre-qualification, um and one thing um, um that um uh, when I want to talk about that that one thing um, is um, a property in in Liverpool um where we got a um a person acquiring with us and um he was very very happy his first first investment property and um he sort of um told us look I've got this property I want to give it with you to you and uh, great like let's just start and um and sort of we have the kind of process where we sort of um look at the location then the potential returns and um and so when when we did that, even like we knew Liverpool would be difficult, um, we, we had to tell him, look, this is not going to work out. And he said, like, but but I was uh, um I was um expecting that. So he bought the property to do short term, to have a he had a certain number in his mind that he he sort of went with what people tell you out are 50%, other percent above long term. And um he sort of bought it with that kind of intention. And um and that sort of um um, a very sad thing because um, like there is no nothing you can do. No one in the world can help you to to really do that um, uh, short term. If if it's in a location that doesn't work out, so for that for that person, the only option literally was uh, was long term, and um, it goes had back he to the already furnished it. No, that no, was not he bought it, but he bought it. Uh, it With wasn't furnished. Invention. He wanted us to furnish it, and we said, look, no. no okay. And I guess um. Like, I don't know like one some maybe other other people will say okay let's just do it and then try it but we have this kind of thing in place up front that we say right. look it doesn't work mm. um, long term will generate a better return now I wish that 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 person would have come to us earlier and we have quite a few people that want to buy actually asking us um where should I buy well, this And this is cheap this is great because then we can tell them look there are a few few suburbs um we work with a few buyers agents as well um so we can actually help you to to find a property um that it is uh, that that sort of suits you, but again, it goes back to why do you buy the property yeah. for um, for yourself? Is it um, what kind of investment strategy strategy do you have? Is it capital uh, growth? Is it yield? Is it flexibility? Is it leisure? Uh, there is some kind of reason why you buy it, and and that's um, one of the first questions we 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 ask. Why do you why do you want to do um, yeah. short term, mm. and why do you have that property, and what are your um requirements in form of return and, and things like that.
1: What I always say to clients, if it's if it's for a lifestyle decision, et cetera, yeah, we can talk about that and we can figure out whether it's actually gonna you're gonna have enough income to cover the mortgage and so it's not gonna cost you too much and then you can still use it. If it's for a pure investment, I think the best way to think about it is if Airbnb didn't exist, you know, would it still be a good investment? And yep. Yep. If, if that's a yes, then it's only another cream on the top and you know, and etc. So, you know, I guess it's it's you know buying it purely for a yield and hoping that it's okay. Fundamentally, there's something you know not right about it from an investment point of view. It's asking for for trouble. Yep. I guess there's one point we didn't cover in the podcast that you know I know that some listeners probably would want to talk about, and that's probably just the you know on one side there's all lots of positives with Airbnb. You know, I'm definitely on the Airbnb lover side, but there's a as huge, a user. Yeah, as a user, mm. and I mean, as a but, there's a huge probably on the other side of the coin. There's a quite a big portion of the population that are against Airbnb, and um, you know because of the impacts on the rental market and etc. Um, I'd just love to get your thoughts on that as a more of a society kind of pressure. Because I do find there's two people, you know, on on both sides. Like a lot of things in life, you know, we're natural hypocrites. Um, <laughs> would love to go to Paris and use an Airbnb, but then when the neighbour wants to use an Airbnb, no, that's that's mm. forbidden. It shouldn't yep. happen. So, you know, I, and, and there's a lot of talk at the moment in places like you know London, New York, Paris, Canada, and in Australia, you know Hobart in particular is getting a lot of coverage because you know Airbnb are basically a huge impact on the rental market so what's your thoughts i know it's a long question yeah
2: <laughs> i guess um it, it really it really depends now um in sydney there is no research i know about that actually proves that the rental market went up because of airbnb um now i guess that's the first thing it is of course a low-hanging fruit to blame airbnb um, for that probably owners that come to us um they don't come to us because they say oh i bought it cheap i want to make a, a cracker in, in rental returns most of them say look it was really expensive and i need to cover my mortgage like they know long term they they can't charge 750 a week because no one pays it for for one better in um saying the Erskine Valley and things like that so i think the whole affordability there's a bigger picture that comes with um what people have to pay uh, to own real estate and um when we invest in real estate, we don't do this um, for social good uh, mainly. We do this to grow our <laughs> um uh, our, our capital and our, our wealth. Yeah. So um, there's an
0: elephant in the room that one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so everyone does it for that. Like I don't know, but but you guys. Mm. But this is why, unless you do it for leisure, but it's for for yourself. And of course, I guess where um, where it's important and where where government planning and this comes in place is about. Managing the number of properties that are available without causing a bit of a crisis because there are too many properties available, yeah. and that would have an impact on the whole price of a property, which doesn't help anyone that is betting on capital growth. And um, so, I think there's a whole thing um, that is bigger than uh, just uh, it's too easy to blame Airbnb for that. Um, but I understand why people blame Airbnb because it's it's new, it's change. People don't like change in general. Whenever I mean, things are changing. Um, then there will be uh, there are discussions and those discussions are good as well because it helps you to look into that um, from different angles. But I think it's 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 too easy and there is no proof that Airbnb is the cause. Yeah, you know,
1: in places like Sydney, I think you're right. I think there are places, you know, for example, like Hobart, where you know they are taking a huge portion of the rental market because even if you rent it out for two nights a week on Airbnb, you make more money in two nights than you do renting it a week short term whereas the rent here is much higher so you need to rent it out a lot higher and you know they can't the problem is when you've got this shortage of the government want it right because the government it's it's money that these tourists are bringing and so you know it's, it's just a very it's a hard thing that any kind of new technology or any you know more money from other parts of the country come in it's just a it's a definitely a pressure on society and i guess it's good that you know, Airbnb is getting legislated yep. because it's going to make it more fair, I guess.
2: In Australia, I can argue about politicians and things like that. But I, I, well, one thing I do like is that they're open uh, to to change. If you look at um, the new legislation on Airbnb, what happened with Uber, um, it was very differently handled in old-fashioned countries like where I'm from in Germany. Uber is banned almost everywhere um, and people still use grumpy taxi drivers in cash because I don't support credit cards.
0: That's Um, the future, ladies and gentlemen, unless you embrace change. (laughs) Grumpy taxi drivers. Kieran, it's been fantastic talking to you. Thank you so much for coming in. This is something that you know we haven't delved into yet in this podcast and it's something that is important to talk about and consider because obviously there are buyers or owners out there that are considering short-term rental and they need to understand some of the issues, pros and cons. Now, Kieran, how can people find you if they need to
2: now the easiest way go to our website madecomfy.com.au and uh, we've got a calculator on there you can simply type in your address and you get a free um, revenue forecast and you can uh, call us on 1 800 526 133 and uh, simply have a chat with one of our uh, great um, uh, business development uh, agents. And um, yeah, we're here to help mainly um, and um, literally um, help people to to have a more flexible
1: use for the property. Thanks, Karen. It's been brilliant, mate. Thank you. Thanks.
0: We'll have those links on the show notes. So please go to theelephantintheroom.com.au. You can download the episode transcript and also, as I said, you'll be able to access the links that that, uh, Kieran has just mentioned. There will be a few other things that will pop in there for you as well that you'll find very useful if this is something that you want to look into further. And don't forget to send us a message if you have any questions on any topics that you'd like us to explore further in the Elephant in Room.
1: We want to make you a better elephant rider. And this week's elephant rider training is...
0: All about buying holiday homes. Now, if you heard my dumbo, that's a big confession. <laughs> I uh, I wouldn't recommend anybody buy a holiday home, actually, so I'll put that right out there. But if you really, really, really want to, here's some guidelines for you. First of all, keep it within two-hour drive of where you live. And ideally, that's two-hour drive... Of a main city because capital growth wise, and this is one of the big issues with holiday homes, the further away, the more impacted it is in a negative way. But also, the further away, the less likely you are to actually use it. And I think that's really important. When you buy a holiday home, you're intending to use it. So, therefore, make it easy for yourself by making it as close as possible. The second thing I'd say about buying a holiday home is do not assume that you are going to get. Uh, additional rental for it. As Chris was saying earlier in this episode, you know, the reality is that people want to rent at the same time you want to use it. So unless you're, you know, you're working weekends and you want to go down there in, in the uh, weeks, then consider the fact that in order to earn any income from it, you're going to have to relinquish your own usage of the property. So it's some, that's quite an important point. The other thing, And this is the one thing I really want you to be thinking about. A lot of people say to me that they would like to buy a holiday home or a place up or down the coast or in the country because they intend to relocate there when they retire. Now, this is a big danger zone because these areas outside urban areas do not grow in value or the properties, I should say, do not grow in value at the same rate capital city properties grow in value. So if you are going to be planning ahead for 10, 15 years time and you commit to an area, then that particular property won't go up as much as if you bought a really good investment, say in 10k radius of Sydney or Melbourne, to give you an example. In that intervening time, if you had the available money to buy a property. You can actually do a lot better financially by buying a really good quality investment that will grow in value. And then 10, 15 years down the track, consider selling that to buy where you want to live because you might not actually still want to live in the same place in 10, 15 years time that you think you might want to from where you are now. So there are just a couple of tips. I will actually also put in to the show notes, a blog that I wrote about 14 reasons to think twice about buying a holiday home Tune in next episode when we interview property journalist Kirsten Craze. Kirsten's had many years writing for News Corp both in regional, suburban and in city publications and her insights about what goes into property stories, who writes the headlines, but not only that how you can verify the quality of the information that you're reading and why it's so important that you do your own research. You've got to join us for this one.
1: Don't forget we're on all the social channels. We're on Facebook, we're on LinkedIn, we're on Twitter.
0: Or you can connect with us on theelephantintheroom.com.au. The links are all there for you.
1: Please connect and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you.
0: The Elephant in the Room property podcast is recorded at the Sydney Sound Brewery. This week's podcast was recorded by John Risk, editorial by Gordy Fletcher.
1: Until next week, don't be a dumbo.
0: Now remember, everything we talked about on this podcast is general in nature and should never be considered to be personal financial advice. If you're looking to get advice, please seek the help of a licensed financial advisor or buyer's agent who will tailor and document their advice to your personal circumstances with a statement of advice.